Hey everybody, welcome to the Mini Break by Cracked Rackets, your daily podcast for storylines, results, and controversy in the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, April 3rd, and we're here for another pod in which we'll be diving deep into the American tennis scene. My name is Jamie McDonald, and I'll be your host for today's action, and with me is someone who is becoming the regular as my partner in crime. It's Matt Stokowiak. Matt, how are you doing? Jamie, what's going on, man? Uh, it's finally good to to be back on with you, and I feel like, man, it's just nice to have somebody to talk to without making my blood boil. I mean, Gruskin is just, as much as I love him, it can be tough, but you, man, I mean, it's, it's always a pleasure, always. It's easy. It's easy. Yeah, I've gotten more used to him, but he definitely does. He definitely raises the blood pressure, so I don't <laughs> think you're alone in that category. He does, but I still love him. I love him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he's he's great at the podcasting, so we got to give him credit where credit's due. That's right. Um, but we're, we're getting back on our regular rhythm and cadence here, so uh, we're recording, listeners, as you know, Tuesday night for Wednesday's pod, and that's the usual um, for me being the host, and I love bringing Stokowiak on, and so hopefully we'll continue to do that for you. Um, now that we're out of the super busy Miami Indian Wells scene, um, you know, Federer is crowned king out there. We've got time to slow things down a bit and look with a broader scope to the year 2019. And so today, um, I thought it'd be appropriate to sort of take a step back and, and look at the rest of the year for the American men. It's something we like to do, especially at Cracked Rackets is look at how the American guys are doing and, um, just, just see sort of the trajectory of what, what we think is going to happen throughout the year. And so, you know, really in this conversation, Matt, what I'm looking to focus on is the top 10 American guys. And these guys are all ranked within the top 100. So as we work our way down the list, Isner, TFO, Johnson, Opelka, Fritz, Mackey, Query, Kudla, Sandgren, and Klon. And Isner, of course, that number one is in the top 10. That's the crew that people we're working with today and that we're going to be talking about Um before we dive into the specific questions, I know you know we talked about this a little bit before we hopped on the pod. What are your thoughts, overall trajectory as a class? How are the American men doing? How do they fare in this year? Yeah, I mean, I think they're doing pretty well. Obviously, when you've got 10 guys that are in the top 100, you know, that's 10%. I can do some uh, yeah. pretty easy math there, Jamie. I don't know if you picked up on that. But, well done. Um, you know, nice. anytime one country's got 10% of the top 100, I think that's pretty darn good. And, uh, you know, we got some young guys in there. We got some veterans mixed in there. So it's it's a good variety of players. And overall, I mean, I think for the most part, the trajectories are pointing uh, upwards. Absolutely. No, and, and it has been very impressive, too. These last couple of tournaments, we've seen deep runs from, I mean, not surprisingly, the top two, Isner and TFO. And really impressive for me that Isner was able to come back and at least defend most of his points from that incredible Miami run. Yeah, that was big for him. I mean, to be honest, I didn't really see him making it nearly as far as he did in that tournament. You know, when the draw came out, I saw that he was up in Novak section. And, you know, I just I didn't know how he was going to fare. And for him to make it all the way back to the final, I think that's phenomenal. You know, he was able to defend almost all of his points. And yeah, you know, that keeps him right around that top 10 mark, which, you know, obviously he wants to be so well done. Yeah, and no, that that draw definitely did open up for him. You know, after Batista Agut took out Djokovic, that's definitely opened up the section for him, which was great. Um, but yeah, a well earned run um, for Mister Isner up down there in Miami. Um, but you know, while we're on the theme, at least of Isner and his ranking, you got TFO who's twenty slots behind him at thirty. Does Isner remain the number one American throughout the whole year? 
Yeah, I think he does. Uh, you know, just because he's already at 10 and, yeah. you know, for Frank, for one of the other guys to jump that high throughout the rest of the year, I just don't, realistically, I don't think it's going to happen in 2019. I think John's put himself in a pretty good position. Uh, he did get injured in that final match against Fed in Miami. So right. we'll have to see how, sure, he, can, how he can recover. Thing. You know, is he going to play on the clay? We don't really know about that. But I think overall, as we get into the grass court season and then again, the U.S. hard court swing, those are some of the best tournaments for Isner. So I think he's got a lot of opportunities to, you know, kind of stay where he's at right around that number 10 mark. And I just think for the other guys, it's going to be a little too difficult to to top that, you know, in 2019. No, that's that's definitely fair. I mean, he is up there and he's solidified himself in the top 10, which is great. And but that also kind of brings us down the list a little bit. You know, it, it's it's worthwhile to talk about some of those middle guys. So primarily, there are tons of people. So Opelka, 56, Fritz is at 58, and Mackey is at 59. Out of those three guys. In terms of just 2019, what what do you think, you know, results wise and runs in big tournaments, you know, how do they how do they stack up against one another in this coming year, you think? Well, I think I think they're all going to continue to improve their ranking and, you know, as we look at this top 10, those are three guys that I think are, are probably going to rise a little bit throughout the rest of the year. Um, obviously, Opelka won his first ATP Tour tournament uh, back in Long Island last month, so or back in February. Mm-hmm. So he's definitely on the rise. I think he's got you know a lot of room for growth still, and if he can harness his game a little bit, uh, he's going to continue to you know rise up into the top 50 and beyond. So I think he's off to a good start this year. Fritz, Fritz and McDonald, same same thing with those guys. I mean. They're just young. They're still trying to figure out their games a little bit. Um, but, you know, we've seen the potential. They can play with pretty much anybody out there. I mean, they've got that ability. So sure. I, I look for those guys to rise even further, you know, into the top 50 and possibly, you know, top 40 as well. And so when I look at these these other guys, I mean, I see like a Steve Johnson, maybe a Sam Query actually falling down a little bit. You know, it's interesting to see Sam Query sitting there at 71, but – you know, I just don't know if I love where his game's at right now. And same thing for Stevie Johnson. Stevie's had a tough, tough year so far. I, I don't know how many matches he's won, yeah. but it's been like probably one or two matches at most on tour this year. So he is really struggling. So I think those guys could maybe dip back a little bit. But those young guys that you mentioned, the Opelkas, Fritz, McDonald's, I think they're going to rise. Yeah, no, that's... That's definitely fair, and you know that's that's one of the guys I was gonna sort of bring up next with Stevie Johnson because he has had a pretty quiet, you know, 2019, and he, he made, I mean, he won a couple matches at Delray Beach, I think, um, and then ended up losing to Radio Albot when he was making his good run, if I remember correctly. But been very quiet, nothing super impressive off that end, and so you know, to me, I can very easily see a situation where you've got some of these young guys, Opelka and Fritz, um, overtake, overtake him in that ranking spot if he doesn't sort of, um, turn things around here. Yep, definitely. Completely agree. I mean, hopefully Stevie can turn it around. I mean, there's still time, but the way that he's playing right now, I just, I I feel like he's lost all confidence. I don't know, you know, he steps on the court if he truly believes that he's going to be able to, you know, win at this level right now. So he's going to have to find that. And if not, you know, guys like Opelka, Fritz, and McDonald, I think, are going to be right there to to shoot in front of him. Yeah, and it's unfortunate with Stevie too. Of course, that the story with 
his father and everything there. And, you know, obviously, of course, he's still dealing with that. And, you know, even just from a tennis perspective before that was going on, trying to, you know, amend his backhand and develop that slice. And he had just gotten into such great physical shape, too, before all this had happened. And he had really been looking good. So hopefully he's able to take positives from at least the tennis aspects and, um, you know, have a decent 2019. But so far, it's been quiet. And so maybe once he, he'll get a little more comfortable in the clay, we've seen him have good results on that before. Um, so that's that, that's a potential. But as you said, it's honestly very exciting to look at some of these guys who are ranked ranked a little, well, in this case, slightly lower, but you've also got TFO at 30. The 21-year-olds in this group, three out of these 10 are 21, TFO, Opelka, and Fritz. In terms of just who you're most excited to watch, forget about current rankings, who are you most excited to see throughout the rest of this year out of those three? Uh, it's definitely Francis. I mean, he's been out of this group. He's really been my favorite from the jump. Uh, I just, I love everything about his game. I love his energy, you know, the way that he plays. He's so aggressive, moves so well. Um, you know, the celebrations that he does when he wins big matches. I mean, I just, I love the energy, you know, that he shows out there on the court. So, I mean, out of those three, Francis is definitely the one that that I'm most excited for. And I, I really feel like he's got... He's got the most upside potential out of those guys. I mean, obviously, Riley Opelka, you know, seven feet tall. You know, can he be a John Isner, you know, top 10 type of player? Yes, I, I think he can be. But uh, something about Francis's all-around game, just competitiveness, is is what I really gravitate towards. So uh, I'll have my eye on him the most. No, and that's fair. I mean, how can you not be excited for this guy? I mean, remember his Australian Open run just not too long ago, got all the way to the quarters before, um, you know, just Nadal was just too good. Um, but but it's interesting that you bring up Opelka in that same conversation too because, you know, one of the things that I always find interesting, especially since they're both huge, they both have massive serves, Opelka versus Isner, just generally speaking, their games, what, what are the upsides or, you know, possibly – downsides if you want to go the, the negative route as well differences between these two guys games yeah that's a great question and really to if we're going to compare these guys this is how i look at it so john right now has the better serve and you know some people may look at that and be like well really but no he does i mean he's got more variety with his serve his second serve is also unbelievable i mean isner's probably got the best second serve on tour so I think at this moment, John's got a little bit of a better serve than Riley does. But where where Riley gets John is with his ground stroke game and movement. Mm-hmm. I think Opelka is a superior mover on the court yeah. compared to Isner. And really, his backhand and, and his forehand, his groundies are just... They're just better. I mean, that's not John's game. John doesn't want to get in rallies at all. Opelka can get in some rallies and, and hang for a while. That's that's not completely foreign to him. So, you know, when I look at those two guys, I would I would give Isner the nod with the serve at this moment, and I would give Opelka the nod uh, with the groundies. Now, net play, I'd probably say Isner's a little bit better right now than Opelka, you know, when he's up at the net volleys and overheads, things like that, just because I feel like he's more comfortable. Um, Riley's got to continue to to push forward towards the net, and once he gets more comfortable hitting volleys, I mean, I think he's going to be right there too. But to me, those are the main differences uh, between those two. No, no, I think that's definitely fair, and it's interesting you bring up the movement aspect as well because – 
I mean, we're talking about seven foot tall guys here, and it's no secret too that as we've developed in the tour, it's these guys who are six four, six five, six six. I mean, they're moving like guys used to be when they were six one, you know. And so that movement aspect is incredible. And you know, Opelka, what he's twenty one, and so that that movement's only going to get sharper and sharper as you know he gets more fit and gets used to these tour level matches, you know. And quite honestly, it's just begun growing into his body and finished all that growing. I mean, 21, this guy's young. Um, and so I absolutely agree with you. And that, that raises an interesting question, right? Because you think, you think about these two upsides and the serve is massive. You know, you give Isner a bit of a nod and then that's, that's fair. And he's proven it on tour why it's so hard to return against. But when you start looking at Opoka's career, you know, Isner, he's been up to eight in the world, currently 10, as we were talking about earlier. And, and uh, he's been to the semifinals of Wimbledon, quarterfinals of the U.S. Open twice, 14 singles titles. You know, he's, he's got quite a resume of its own, you know. But with the upsides you see with Opelka, do you see a potential better career? And not to say Isner's done by any means, but generally speaking, do you see Opelka having that caliber of career or better? Yeah, I, I definitely think the potential is there for it, you know, for all those reasons that we just talked about. I mean, his his ground stroke game is superior to Isner's in that movement as well. And I think his serve is only going to get better, right? Yeah. I mean, we already mentioned he's, tw- he's 21. You know, he's going to continue to work on that serve, figure out, you know, is there a serve that I can kind of bring into my game that maybe I'm not comfortable with but will really help me out? You know, he's going to have the ability to work on that and improve on that. So yeah, no, I, I definitely think with everything that Isner's accomplished, top 10 players, semis of Wimbledon, um, you know, quarters of a couple of other uh, Grand Slams at the U.S. Open, I definitely think Opelka has that ability, 100%. There, there's no question. I, I think he may have more upside. Really? You know, really, if John can, if John can do all of those, I, I really, I like what Opelka brings to the table. I, I, I really do. I think he can. I think he can match that or maybe even surpass uh, Isner's accomplishments. Well, no, that's that's definitely feasible, especially when you look as like, of course, we think of Isner, the tiebreak man. It's like, when you think of the same thing, I mean, Opelka, of course, is going to have very many matches that, that match that sort of structure because he's going to hold and he's going to get into these points. And so then once he gets into the tiebreak, I mean, I think he has – he has the potential to really mess people up in sets, especially some of these that are, you know, Masters 1000s where all he's got to do is win two sets. You know, if he gets to a tiebreak, man, yeah. I mean, I think I think you're totally right. I think he can pull a bunch of big titles there. Um, and that's not to say that he can't do that in Grand Slams, but especially the best up two out of three ones, he's going to be so dangerous because, man, if he can grab a tiebreak in a couple of those, I mean, someone like that is so hard to play in tiebreak, especially with the upside you give. Opelka on the ground strokes, you know, you sneak a mini break yep. in there and then you hold, I mean, you're golden. Exactly. Um, and and he already proved that, didn't he, at the Australian Open this year? He beat exactly, Isner. Exactly. They played each that's other. Right. And, and was, he won yeah. a couple breakers. So that that right there shows you that, hey, Isner versus Opelka in a tiebreaker, Opelka comes out on top because exactly. he's got that ground stroke game. So right. I, I think that's a perfect example right there of, of what he can do. No, that's, that's definitely true. And, uh, and Opelka is certainly one – um, that we, that we got to keep our eye on, you know, like I said, like I talked about earlier, he's currently 56 and fours at, and falls at number four out of the 10 Americans. But, you know, we're seeing nothing but signs of total rise for him. So that's going to be really exciting throughout 2019. And he's so young. So of course, for many, many years to come. Um, but interestingly, as we, 
as we talk through this top 10, you'll notice the name that wasn't in there, and that's Jack Sock. Um, someone who not too long ago was in the top 10, played in the you know ATP Tour Finals. And so we talk about that. Of course, you know, it's no secret that he had a rough 20, 2018. And, um, you know, just your opinion, first initial thoughts here. Where does Jack Sock, you know, right now currently he's coming back from an injury, currently listed at 136 in the world. Um, where does he fit into this conversation of American tennis? Yeah, it's tough to say, right? I mean, we don't really know how he's going to bounce back from the injury. We haven't seen him play in a little while. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to put your finger on it. For me, I mean, obviously he's got the talent to be maybe the top American. I mean, when all, when all things are clicking for him, you know, he's got, he's got the, the physical tools to be right up there, you know, as a top 10 player, like he, he formerly was, but you know, for me, I just question, you know, does he want to put in the effort and the work and get back to that top 10? I mean, he's coming off injury. He's going to have a lot of points that he's going to have to, you know, make up if he wants to get back there. The results are going to have to come. Um, it's not just going to happen for him. So I, I don't know. These are just these are questions that that I have as well, you know, how bad does he want it? We'll yeah. see, I guess. Yeah, no, we will see. And, and I, I, you know, I'm, I don't know. There's some people that have been very critical of Sock. And, you know, for, for oftentimes, you know, pretty fair reasons, especially with such a dramatic fall. But, you know, at the same time, this guy got up to eight in the world. You, you don't do that. I'm sorry. You, you just don't do that if you don't have the motivation to be up there. And, you know, people can talk about, yeah, maybe that ranking was a little inflated, you know, coming out of the Paris Masters win and the competition there to get all those 1,000 points, yada, yada. But, I mean, at the end of the day, this guy has the motivation to get back and play at the top level. You know, he even had a quote, I can't remember exactly when it was, but someone was essentially noting the fact that he had had tons and tons of double success yet was just struggling in singles. And someone was like, well, would you consider just playing just playing doubles since you're doing so well? And he said, if my, and he said something to the tune of, you know, hey, if my career is one where I can't be relevant in the singles game, I don't want to be playing. And so that, yeah, that's, I saw that. That tells me I can't. I probably missed the wording by a little bit, but it was something to that effect. And so, it's one of those things where I don't doubt that he's got the motivation, but I am anxious to see you know where he goes with this because even even at the beginning of 2019, um, you know we saw him a little bit, and unfortunately, it looked a bit like a continuation of 2018. You know, um, you know, he, I, I believe he lost to Bolt, the Australian, in, yeah. in, in four yeah. in the first round. Um, and so that's unfortunate to see, but no, I just bring that up because it's so interesting. You know, when we think of the landscape of American tennis, say a few years ago, Jack Sock was 100% at the top of that conversation. And suddenly we find ourselves talking about the top 10 Americans and he's not in there. Yeah. Um, I mean, things change, things change quickly, right? I mean, the, the ATP doesn't stop for anybody. So, you know, if the young guys, you know, break through and start coming on, you know, they're going to shoot up the rankings. And, you know, if, if the results don't show up, I mean, the ranking system doesn't lie. So yeah, it it can happen fast, but you're right. I mean, a couple years ago, he was right up there with the best of them. And and now, you know, well, he's, he's not even playing right at the moment. So we don't talk about him, but um, I will say this, Jamie, I mean, if he, like you say, if he does have that motivation and really wants to get back to the top, then we'll know. We're going to know or not because we'll be able to watch him play and we're going to see his results 
and we're going to know if he has that motivation or not. I, I don't think it's going to be too hard to tell whenever he does come back. And if he does, the ranking will show it because he's going to beat people. He has the talent to do it, and he's going to get right back up there. If yeah. not, then I think that speaks for itself. Yeah, and I mean, we're talking about someone who's just incredibly talented here. I mean, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, forehand on tour, both in terms of just you know RPM and raw power. Um, yep. An incredible serve, great touch around the net. I mean, sure, people know the weakness is the backhand, but very athletic and, and moves well around it. It's it's no secret that this guy's got the game. It's just when and if he can put it together. Um, and so I, I guess to sort of put a number on this instead of just talking about, well, will, will he come back and how well will he come back, does he reach the top 25 again in his career? That's such a hard question. I mean – I, uh, I don't know because it, he could, right? I mean, I, I think he he definitely could. Will he? I can't guarantee that, man. I just can't. Based off of what I've seen the last couple of years, I, I would not guarantee. I wouldn't bet on it. Let me put it that way. Really? I mean, does he have the ability to do it? Yes, absolutely. But if I was if I was a betting man, and I'm not, but if I was – I don't think I'd make that bet. Really? Wow. Really? No, I mean, I get that's true, especially when you think now that all the people, you know, of course, both mentally and just on the court, he, he's been losing momentum um, by falling so far. And the people who have been taking the place, look at the, the 21, the 22-year-olds that are coming up and, and even younger now um, that are that are making waves in these big tournaments. Just look at the young Canadians, 18 and 19, you know, just yep. last week, for example. Um, so he definitely has even more people he's fighting that spot, those spots for. Um, but I, I don't know. I got to think, I mean, of course I wrote the question, so, you know, sort of biased, but I think he does reach the top 25 again. I, I really think he does because he has the talent, and if he's working this hard to come back, A, from the injury, and B, you know, he was very candid in some of his press, um, just questioning and everything. I mean, he was very open about the fact. He's like, look, like, this blows. Like, I have been horrible in the singles court, and, and you know what, I'm, I'm doing what I can to try and get back. And so, to me, to me, it's not one of those things. I think a lot of places, some outlets tried to paint it as, oh, look at this guy, you know, his bad attitude, doesn't want to be out there, and I understand how they can see that. And, you know, of course he has some antics on court and whatnot, but I don't really think that's the full story. I, I think you've got a guy who is still motivated and look, it's not like he's super old. He's what, 26 now. He still has plenty of time to get back up there. And so I think if he does remain healthy, I, I think he can get back to the top 25. I really do. Yeah. I mean, let me just say this. I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for him, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a Jack Sock fan. I mean, as much as I've said about the guy, look, I want him to do well. Genuinely, I do. I mean, he's an American. Um, you know, he's, you know, a year or two older than I am. But I mean, he he's somebody that I've always, you know, wanted to win. So I hope, like you say, I hope he does come back and, and reach, you know, as high as he can go. That'd be great for the game. I'd really enjoy watching him play and compete at that high level again, because I mean, he's, he's so good, right? I mean, he's talented. Yeah. It's fun to, when he's playing well, it, tennis is more fun. It's kind of like Absolutely. the Nick Kyrgios argument. I mean, when when Nick Kyrgios plays his best tennis, it's so much fun to watch. I mean, I want to watch that every time. So hopefully he can get back there, man. I'm rooting yeah. for him. Yeah, no, well, and I, and, and I am too. And it's one of those things where we can talk about this all day, but, you know, it, it's 
it's one thing to just talk about his singles game, but it would be unfair to you know leave this conversation about Jack Sock and not address the just fundamental and tremendous success that he did have on, on the doubles scene, um, especially last year. You know, with that being said, of course, all that success with Brian, you know, when the U.S. Open and Wimbledon, I mean, they were they were just incredible. If he's really committed to you know making a dent in that singles ranking and rising back up. Does he keep playing doubles at the at the rate that he was last year with all these big tournaments, or does he try and cut back on that and go towards singles? Yeah, that's another good question. I mean, I bet he would tell you that he's going to cut back on doubles, but I don't know if I buy that. I mean, he because he knows he can win doubles titles, man. That's the thing. Oh, he can. I mean, he he can do it easily. I I think he's when he's playing, you know, when he's healthy and everything and playing. I, I think he's arguably the best doubles player in the world. I mean, no question about it. So, I mean, he can win doubles titles with pretty much anybody that he decides to play with. So I I think whether he would admit it or not, I I think he would keep playing because who doesn't want to keep winning titles? I mean, that's got to be too much fun, right? Exactly. Well, and it's one of those things too, where I personally, I love it. It's just you know, some people would rather see like a classic straight up doubles player, but I love watching Sock. I love the way he plays. You know, he'll stay back and just camp out on that ad side and just rip forehands. Like, and he has just incredible touch around the net. You know, I, I love the way he play double, plays doubles, and and it would be very unfortunate for you know the double scene to lose a player like that. Especially, I mean, he showed how dominant he could be. I mean, sure, he was with Mike Bryan and another incredible doubles player, of course. I mean, just look at that resume, but. That Brian and Sock team, they were something special. And so, you know, it's great that Bob Bryan is back on the tour, back healthy. Of course, the Bryan brothers just won Miami not too long ago. But it raises the question, well, a couple of them for you. The first is the Brian, the Mike Bryan and Jack Sock pair. Will we ever see that again? Or was that just like sort of the one – was that sort of just a one-time thing and we're like, all right. Yeah, I don't think we're ever going to see it again in a in a legitimate – like tour event unless unless Bob gets hurt again or something like that as long as both Mm. Brian's are healthy I don't think we'll see the Brian sock combo in a legitimate ATP tour event now would they do something you know some exhibition or for charity or you know I don't know like labor cut you know whatever it is some kind of uh you know a different kind of event sure I think we could certainly see that because they had a lot of success and they know it but as long as both Brian brothers are healthy, I don't think we're going to see those two split up. Not at, not in a real uh, tournament event. Yeah, well, and, and that's definitely fair. I mean, of course, they're going they are each other's partners. They're going to play together. That's that's how it goes. But it brings me to the the hypothetical hypothetical question. Of course, you know we can't we can't really know this, but if you're picking that Mike Bryan and Sock team that we just saw for a ton of 2018, is that team better? Than Brian, Brian. Well, <laughs> it's so weird, right? Because, like, if you just look at titles and everything, obviously, I mean, the Brian brothers are the best doubles team to ever play tennis. Exactly. But, like I just said before, if Jack Sock is the best doubles player in the world, then wouldn't Brian Sock beat Brian, Brian? Yeah, I mean, if you're hypothetically, if you're putting money on a match, then of course you can't do this, of course. But if you had to put money on a match, it, it, just like Brian Sock against Brian and Brian, I mean, who do you think comes out on top in that match? You know, 
Yeah, that's that's the tough question. And I mean, it's almost weird to say, but if Sock is that good, I, I almost feel like that Brian Sock combo, you know, may win that match. I I, I honestly I'm not gonna disagree with that. I mean it's it's tough to bet either way, of course, and you know, you don't want to go against the Brian brothers because look just look at what they've done in their career. But the Brian Sock dynamic is so fun to watch for me because you've got Mike Bryan, he's just an incredible, straight up fundamental doubles player. And then you've got Sock who who has all of those tools, but also has the incredible ground stroke game and and can bring just a ton of different dimensions into any sort of match. And so um, I, I think that combo is a lot of fun. And so that I just bring that up because it is unfortunate. You know, of course, the Bryan brothers, they are the Bryan brothers, so they're going to play together. Um, but it is unfortunate that, you know, the, the tennis world loses out on, on such a good pairing of Brian and Sock. And we saw how dominant they could have been, um, especially in this last year. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I completely agree. And again, looking at longevity, I mean, we don't know if if the Brian Sock combo was to continue playing with each other. I mean, we don't know exactly how they would have True. done. So, I mean, over time, I mean, there's no debate that that Brian Brian, they're the best of all time, just, you know, with everything that they've yeah. done. But but if they exactly. were to play a, a head-to-head match, if it was Brian Sock against Brian Brian, I think you, I, we might be surprised that Brian Sock come out on top on that one. I know. I think that's fair, but you know, unfortunately, since that can't happen, the last question—the last question I'll ask you—and then we can wrap up and get out of here—is so. Unfortunately, you know, we can't clone Brian Brother and have Sock play with one. So, in this case, who should Sock be reaching out to and trying to play doubles with if he's going to be seriously on this doubles tour? I think anybody that he wants to, and I know that sounds kind of funny, but I've I've said this before. I mean, I think he can win doubles titles with pretty much anybody. I mean, whoever's available, whoever's playing the same tournaments, he's shown that he can pair up with different guys. I mean, he's won tournaments with a bunch of different partners already in his yeah, career. That's true. So I really, there's not like one guy that I'd be like, you know, he's got to play with with this guy or anything like that. I I don't think so. I mean, I think he can pair up with pretty much anybody out there and and they'll do well. You know what would be super cool, though? I mean, if if they both really wanted to win would be the Sock-Kyrgios combo. Yeah. I mean, that would be something that would be wild just because— think, Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I think that'd be really good for them mentally, too, because, I mean, you see it in the Labor Cup. You know, both of them— they lock in in those matches. I mean, they they want to win, and they're so competitive with it. And so when they have each other out there, I mean, that's really when we get to see both those guys, you know, come out and, and just play their best tennis. And so, no, I think that's a lot of fun. And I, I brought that up because, of course, Curios has been playing some with Taylor Fritz. Um, yep. You know, who knows if you know how much those two are going to play doubles and whatnot. But I was kind of hoping you'd bring up Curios because I, I would love, and I think the tennis world would love – Regardless of some people who hate Sock and hate Curios, I think the Sock Curios pairing, not only for the highlight reel, would be a lot of fun and a lot of good in the tennis community. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it'd be super entertaining, right? I mean, if I see that on TV, I'm tuning in. You know, I'm watching that 100% because they're going to be great. So, yeah, that's, I mean, if I had to pick out one guy, I would love to see that combo. But again, you know, I think Sock can can head out there with pretty much anybody and he's going to be successful. That's how good 
I think he is at doubles. Yeah. No, I, no, I think you're totally right. Well, um, you know, as we do with these mini break episodes, we try to keep them short. This one, this one might have been our best attempt. Well, like I say at the very end, we'll always have to go back and check the official times because right now we're looking at the the unofficial times on my on my uh, timer here. So, um, you know, listeners, we appreciate you coming in and and, and hearing us talk possibly you know too much about american tennis but we never get tired of it whether we're texting each other or you know talking about what we want to break down um it's just a ton of fun for us so certainly throughout 2019 and of course beyond we're going to be following these guys you know especially isner tfo johnson and the young guys all at the top and um we love talking american tennis and matt i can't thank you enough for coming on with me again and again and hopefully next week again we'll get to talk some tennis Um, But as we close for the day, Matt, what do we say? That's a break. All right. Thank you. And be sure to tune in tomorrow. See you guys.